Welcome once again to the wonderful world of the hot box. This is hot box number 42. And once more, it's time to dig into the piano files. Uh, if you're a new listener, you may not know what I'm talking about. But briefly, the piano files is a series uh, looking alphabetically, how else, into the jazz catalogue of piano. Uh, you'll find them all in the archive, starting at the letter A, obviously. And now we've reached the letter P. Some of the files are bigger than others, of course, and some, dare I say it, have more historical importance than others, and it so happens that P is one of the latter. Uh, so you can expect Bud Powell, uh, one of the founders of modern jazz. You can expect Oscar Peterson, a huge presence in jazz over 50 years or so. And then onto the remarkable Michel Petrucciani and several other exciting contemporary players such as Aaron Parks. And the rest you'll have to guess for now because it's uh, certainly time to get some music into this mix. Maybe we'll start with Peterson, who was such a massive presence for every jazz fan of a certain age. We'll start with Tintin Deo, a piece that was written by Chano Pozzo. Uh, the meaning of the title, I have to say, I've been digging around and I cannot find a meaning for it. As far as I can see, it's totally obscure. It was recorded uh, by Kenny Burrell and by Dizzy Gillespie, among others, but Oscar's version, uh, with his trio of Ray Brown and Ed Thigpen, seems to me to be one of those examples, maybe quite rare, uh, of absolute perfection. It's almost a, a party piece. It makes you feel that the trio was completely and brilliantly aligned during those five and a half minutes. Recorded sometime between 1963 and 1968. More about that in a minute. Here's Tintin Deo, the Oscar Peterson Trio. <laughs> Thank you. 
Wow, Tintin Deo from the Oscar Peterson Trio. The track is taken from a series of recordings that were made at private concerts, a tiny audience in the living room of the recording engineer Hans-Georg Brunerschwer in Germany. Hence the rather weedy audience clapping. Not for lack of enthusiasm, I'm sure. Um, Marvellous piece recorded, absolute perfection. From 63 to 68, Peterson uh, played privately for Hans-Georg, and because he was an innovative and a rich record company owner, he had a home studio and he probably got the best quality recording ever made of Peterson. Um, They were released under the title uh, The Way I Really Play and who's to contradict that? Um, We'll hear some more of that later in the show but maybe we should now look uh, elsewhere, look into Bud Powell's file and inspect it as it were one of the most important roots of modern jazz piano. It so happens that Powell died prematurely I must say at about the time that that last piece was recorded, the mid 60s. Powell's much too short life, uh, lasting just from 24 to 66. Um, The shortness of his life was attributed at least partially to a beating that he received when he was just 21 years old, arrested after a gig in Philadelphia for being drunk and disorderly and the cops didn't like him. Uh, He was dumped into a psychiatric hospital for a couple of months and at that time Uh, That wasn't a good place to be, but he emerged uh, to become a protege of Thelonious Monk, who had his own psychiatric problems, God knows. And he became band members with various of the great and the good, the Charlie Parker, well, I should say the great and the bad as well, from a lifestyle point of view, Charlie Parker, Dexter Gordon and other leaders of the modern jazz revolution. So here he is in just a trio form with Curly Russell on the bass and Max Roach uh, doing the drumming. This is Bud's Bubble. Thank you. 
Words Bubble, a short piece that uh, well illustrated his brilliance and one of his particular specialities, which was playing at very high speed. He was just 24 when he recorded that one. Now, part of the Powell legend was that uh, on stage his appearance was always perform, performing in a dark suit and tie. And in common with several players of that era, uh, he resolutely refused to tell the other musicians what he was about to play. They had to work it out for themselves. Well, we'll talk some more uh, later about him and his place in the Halls of Fame, but now to a player from the very modern era. No, you will not have heard of him. He's just won an important competition in the jazz world, and part of the prize for that was to make his own recording. So here's some of that recording. Uh, His name is Tommaso Parazzo. Uh, The music was recorded just uh, last November 2018 in Amsterdam, where he appeared with his trio at the legendary Bim House. Um, I might mention before you hear this piece that uh, part of his technique is to reach into the piano from time to time with his left hand and dampen certain notes so you get almost uh, get an impression of a different instrument. This is his own composition. It's called Interlude for ES. It's dedicated to one of his heroes, Esbjorn Svensson, the late Esbjorn Svensson, and I guess it reveals one of his sources of inspiration. Thank you. 
Yeah, properly enthusiastic crowd there at the Bim House. Um, I'm sorry I mentioned his uh, technique of uh, dampening some of the notes. Uh, he, I, as far as I could hear, he didn't do that once in that piece, but nonetheless, it was a fantastic piece. And you just have to take my word for it about dampening notes, uh, perhaps when you hear him yourself uh, live, maybe somewhere. Um, that was the interlude from for es performed uh, by Tommaso Parazzo with his trio. Kimon Karukos on bass and Marcello Cardillo was the drummer. The album is called What's Coming Next. So from youthfulness, and I, I should add that Tommaso looks about 18, but I suspect he's a bit older than that, to extraordinary longevity, not to mention fertility and great versatility. I refer to André Previn, who died aged 89 in February of this year. Um, as the Guardian obituary says, no other Oscar-winning conductor-composer from the Hollywood studios became equally successful in the strictly classical world while also maintaining a side career as a jazz pianist. Uh, this is uh, not the time or the place to dwell on his stellar career, uh, first as a film music arranger from age 16, believe it or not, um, and composer for films, um, and right then up to awards for conducting the London Symphony Orchestra, the Royal Philharmonic Orchestra, the Pittsburgh Symphony Orchestra, and so on. His jazz sensibility stayed with him throughout, rather uh, longer than most of his marriages, in fact. Five marriages, five divorces, nine children, only eight surviving now. Um, his last marriage was to the German violinist, the superstar, and sophie Mutter. But that ended in divorce. Um, I've chosen to represent his jazz work with a fairly early recording of him playing solo from the album The Songs of Jerome Kern. This is his take on Long Ago and Far Away.
Andre Previn there, born in Nazi Germany, but whose family managed to escape to America in 1939. Uh, Long ago and far away was the appropriate title of that one. An extraordinarily gifted musician. As was Oscar Peterson. I'm happy to say that I saw him playing live um, in London once. um, And let me tell a story briefly against myself. Perhaps I... Shouldn't, but there you go. Since I was working in London and spotted a poster that told me that Peterson was playing with his trio at Ronnie Scott's that night, and I did try to call the club that day to no avail, so when I showed up at about 8 o'clock, the queue was literally around the block. However, I marched in and told the doorman that I'd flown over specially from Dublin, having tried for days to call the club to book a seat. And the kindly doorman said uh, he took me by the arm and he apologised for the fact that the club's phone had indeed been on the blink for a few days. And he then took me into the club and sat me down about six feet from Mr Peterson's right hand. Naughty, I know, but entirely worth it for just two whole sets of the then top trio in jazz, and it was an amazing evening. I'm ashamed to say I've no idea who was the bass and drummer that night, but I do know that Sam Jones is on the bass and Bobby Durham is on the drums on this one. Sax no end.
A massive flag waver there from that series I've uh, talked about, The Way I Really Play, the Oscar Peterson trio. In this case, uh, Sam Jones was the bass player, Bobby Durham was the drummer. Sax No End was the piece written by the French pianist and bandleader Francie Boland. I like to think that my experience that night in Ronnie Scott's was something similar to the one that the private audience there in Hans Georg Brunnerschwer's living room had. Well, now over to Duke Pearson. His real name uh, was Columbus Calvin Pearson Jr. And very sensibly, he decided he preferred his nickname Duke. Uh, He was born in Atlanta, Georgia in 1932. He was a handy trumpet player. Indeed, he did so in the U.S. Army Band before becoming a full-time jazz man. His piano career began in New York at the end of the 1950s. Uh, He was was in good company straight away and accelerated uh, when he became the the A&R man in Blue Note Records in 1963. He was, uh, because he was there, of course, he was associated with Donald Byrd, with Benny Golson, and of course the whole Blue Note stable of players at that time, familiar to all of you, I am sure. Uh, You'll find him all over the Blue Note catalogue as a sideman uh, in that era, as well as, of course, leading his own units right up to 1970 when he quit. We'll go straight into the Duke Pearson Big Band from the year 1967, where we need some Big Band, don't we, just to get the juices flowing. Uh, His Big Band was a real beauty, actually very much an alternative to the Thad Jones Mel Lewis Orchestra at the time. Indeed, many of the same members, Frank Foster, Pepper Adams, Jerry Dodgen, all familiar to Thad Jones fans, uh, that's to name only three. Um, Pearson never played much piano when he was with his big band, but I found one track where he sets it up nicely, the title being Ready When You Are CB, uh, the CB in question being Count Basie.
Duke Pearson at the piano with his big band ready when you are CB that's from 1967 real feel good big band arranging and playing there alas one track from Duke Pearson will have to suffice as we have to move swiftly on to that other piece by Bud Powell that I promised one of his most famous pieces in fact it has Fats Navarro on the trumpet Sonny Rollins as the tenor player Tommy Potter and Roy Haynes bass and drums this is from 1949 and it's uh, bouncing with Bud Dancing with Bud there, classic early bebop from one of its undoubted early masters, Bud Powell. Really tight. I wonder if he'd told his sizemen what to do in the recording session or did it just happen? Uh, We'll head south now. South, not to Cork, but to Panama City, the original home of the very popular and indeed very highly regarded Danilo Perez. 
As far as I'm aware, he is still the only Panamanian jazz artist to reach the dizzy heights of world acclaim, Grammy Awards and many, many uh, handfuls of excellent recordings, both fronting his own units and as a sideman. His uh, big break came when he joined Dizzy Gillespie's United Nations Orchestra and he's often spoken of the power of that orchestra in communicating and promulgating a love of life. Gillespie also taught him to celebrate his Panamanian heritage rather than trying to squeeze himself into the borrowed clothes of American bebop. And that celebration of his heritage has informed his music ever since. His first album as a leader was actually called Panamonk, uh, which is a nod in the direction both of Thelonious Monk and indeed Panama.
Panamonk from Danilo Perez's first album as a leader. Terry Lynn Carrington was the drummer and Avishai Cohen the bass player. That's from 1996. Well, most recently, uh, Danilo's day job has had him featured as the pianist in Wayne Shorter's quartet, a job that has uh, brought him to Dublin in the past, uh, not to mention every great concert hall in the world. And we'll check out his playing in that context right now, without Shorter, but with his colleagues in that band, John Patitucci and Brian Blade. They've developed a symbiotic relationship over the years. Uh, For many years indeed, Shorter hasn't done rehearsals or sound checks, so if you're lucky enough to sneak into a Shorter rehearsal before a gig, you'll be rewarded not with Shorter, but with a de facto trio session. This piece, uh, I think, reflects their touring schedule. Uh, It's entitled Sunburn and Mosquito Dedicated to Carolina. It's from 2015. Thank you. 
that track uh, there from the Mac Avenue label album Children of the Light. Uh, Danilo Perez with John Patitucci and Brian Blade. We're, we're getting a bit close to the end of the pianists filed under the letter P. Uh, nowhere, alas, I could find anywhere any pianist recorded from Ireland or in Ireland. And if you know something I don't know, please contact me. Donald at jazzireland.ie will get me any time, day and night. Um, we haven't talked about uh, or listened to one of the other great modern players, though, Michel Patriciani. Uh, he was um, Italian origin, French um, by birth. Sadly, um, he was born with osteogenesis imperfecta, brittle bones in your language, um, uneven growth. So his musical achievements in, in a very short life, he died at just 36, are even more extraordinary. He was only about three foot tall. Um, for much of his career, which began as a precocious teenager, he had to be carried on stage and placed at the piano. Probably uh, the most moving example, which you may have seen indeed, um, was the time Charles Lloyd carried him on stage during the filming of uh, One Night with Blue Note in New York. In fact, it was Petrucciani who brought Lloyd out of self-imposed retirement in 1982 because Lloyd was so impressed with this amazing little person who played such fantastic piano. Uh, there's a large body of Petrucciani's work on record and it's been quite hard to pick a single example but I chose a track from his 1984 trio outing live at the Village Vanguard on Blue Note he's got Palla Danielson on the bass and Elliot Zygmunt on the drums uh, this is a Sonny Rollins composition it's Oleo he made many more famous recordings I think The Power of Three notably with Wayne Shorter for example but I don't think any better
Michel Petrucciani there, live at the Village Vanguard. Oleo, written by Sonny Rollins. And we arrive at almost the end of the Hotbox, uh, episode 41, an investigative peek into the piano files under P. It's always hard to compress a huge file into about an hour, but exceptionally so this time around. There, there are, for example, 34 Oscar Peterson albums in my file alone, but leave you we must. I'm going to leave you in the excellent company of Aaron Parks. Like Petrucciani, he was a child prodigy, although he's now approaching the age that Petrucciani died at, in fact. Parks is now an ECM artist, but I'll uh, go back a bit to his 2008 Blue Note album, which is called Invisible Cinema, which I particularly like. It has Matt Penman uh, and Eric Harlan bass and drums in the trio. So, playing us out of the P-Files, here's Aaron Parks with his own composition, Travellers. Please um, join me for the next hot box in about a fortnight's time. It'll be a kind of blue hour for now, though, if you have been. Thanks for listening. (laughs) 